Welcome to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour, bringing you honest talk, even when it bites. Now, here are your hosts, the founders of DogsInDanger.com, Alex Alexanian and Brenda Bush on AM 970, The Apple. Welcome, 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 friends, dog lovers, animal lovers alike. Welcome to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. I'm Alex Alexanian. I'm here with my uh, partner in crime, Brenda Bush. Welcome back, folks. So here we are again in New York from the studios of WNYM. Um, it is again again a gorgeous day, so we're keeping account here how often I open the show by saying it's a gorgeous day. Well, you know what? As long as it's not raining and it's sunny and it's not freezing cold, it's a, it's a gorgeous day. day. Today's topic, the human-animal bond, or just why do I love my dog so much? So that's what we're going to be talking about. And just to, before we kick into that, we have a poll that we're running. We just opened it up. Uh, on Facebook. It's a simple question. Just go to our Facebook page and click like if you like this statement. I love my dog like I love my kid. That's the statement. And if you agree with that statement, go over to facebook.com slash dogs in danger and click like. And then at the end of the show, we'll tell you what the percentage breakdown is of people that believe that they love their dogs just like they love their kid. Anyway, having said that, before we get into the subject, and it's a fascinating subject, the human-animal bond. It, it, it's an absorbing subject. Before we get in and we bring in our guest, um, I want to talk a couple of housekeeping items, as we always do. First one, the PSA. Have you heard of the PSA? You haven't? That would be well, a public service announcement. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's because you haven't been listening to the show. And the truth is, comes out. Anyway, uh, last week, the subscribers to the Dogs in Danger newsletter got to see the finished product for the first time. We did a little preview for the folks on our list. Right. We mm-hmm. sent out an email and we asked them to, to vote. We asked them to vote between two different versions um, the, of the finished, finished product. With well, the, sound, vid- the music, video everything. was the same, but the, the, the audio yeah. was different. And we asked, the, we asked people to vote. And I got to tell you guys, we were, Brenda and I were blown yeah. away by the reaction. Um, 99% of the people that wrote in said how moved they were, how unbelievable um, the reaction to it was, and how many people said they cried. And just the hundreds of people responded with comments, uh, analysis. Yeah. I mean, it was just an overwhelming reaction. So we're going to read a few, just amazing. a few mm-hmm. uh, of some of the re- hundreds. As I told you, there were hundreds of responses. And we just picked out randomly five or six that gave you a flavor of what, what people said. Henry Brisson wrote, I'm a 60-year-old stage electrician, and it made me cry. Our good friend, Carrie Clare, wrote, ouch, this was really powerful. It actually made me cry, seriously, and I'm in this. And still, it made me cry. Wow, tremendous, nice job. Mrs. Grant wrote, I felt the randomness of these living, hanging, I'm sorry, I felt the randomness of these lives hanging in the balance and how arbitrary their fate is. That some dogs get lucky while others loving, attractive dogs are dying every day through no fault of their own. But it made me feel I had the ability to influence the outcome by adopting. Very powerful. Sherry Brand wrote, simply, heartbroken, exclamation point. Clarissa said, tears were streaming down my face at the end of the video. And finally, we took Betty Hooker's words. I've worked in advertising for 33 years. It is excellent and will bring results. Well, Betty, from her lips to from God. From your lips right? to God, we can say. <laughs> 
Let's so, hope so a little bit more on the PSA, then we'll close that chapter. We are just so for the effort that we put in, and as I said last week and the week before, the fact that it's still a crapshoot. It's a little bit less of a crapshoot now that we've shown it to a fairly significant piece of the public, and um, and we've gotten a really good really analysis heartfelt back. response. Yeah. So the PSA is now scheduled to go on network television on November the eighth. Our public service announcement, the first one ever, hopefully not the last one. On November the 8th, and it will be in two markets. It will be in New York and Los Angeles. Initially. That's our test market. Well, yeah. If yeah. it works in those test markets, everybody in the country will get to see it. If it doesn't work in the test markets, you will hear us crying show after show in, this, in front of That's this right. microphone. So here's a, a suggestion to you. If you don't live in New York and Los Angeles, make plans to move right away. Yeah. <laughs> you got a week. <laughs> Or catch it on YouTube. <laughs> or catch it on YouTube. That's right. Because we're right. going to release it there, too, as soon as we go live on the network. Yeah, but it doesn't have the power of the big screen. No, it doesn't. Yeah, right? You know, it, there's a the big thing happens on the That's screen. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pet Talk Du Jour. This is subjects outside of our, um, our subject of the day. We like to give an update on what's going on in the Cove because I think since the beginning of the show, we've been sort of tracking the Cove, the movie about dolphins in Taiji, Japan, the killing of dolphins in Taiji, Japan. And here was an interesting little snippet that came by. Taiji Mayor Kazuska Sangen announced last week that they will be holding a first-ever meeting between Sea Shepherd, the protesters, and the producers of The Cove, Cove, the movie, the Academy Award-winning movie, on November 2nd to discuss I don't know what, but I guess it's, it's something. Well, well, hopefully it's meaningful change in the right direction. At yeah. least they're talking. It all starts with at least talking, you know? Well, you know, so, until they have some sustainable solution for the people that make their livings in Japan doing this, uh, they're going to continue to have problems. A- absolutely, absolutely. And then I guess we'll segue slowly into um, today's touching subject, the human-animal bond. And I don't think you can get any more touching than this if you're, if you're a dog show. Specifically anyway, our you know? connection with our dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a dog show, this is about as touching as you're going to get. And talking about touching... Uh, in our research, we came across uh, some videos, uh, some stories, and, you know, we do a lot of research for these shows. And um, we came across the story of Shep, uh, whose owner died during the Great Depression in 1929. Um, Shep followed his owner's funeral procession in a casket on a train, on a train car, actually. And af- after the, uh, the owner's train car went by, he took residence on the railroad tracks. Shep the dog did. He patiently waited for his, for his return year after year greeting every arriving train with a look and a sigh. Shep did this for five and a half years. Unbelievable. Becoming a legend in Montana where this happened. The railroad employees took kindly to Shep and would feed him out of kindness, obviously. So Shep was able to live greeting these trains day after day. He roamed the tracks until the day he died. Shep never stopped looking and, his, and never stopped his doomed vigil waiting for his owner's return. Unbelievable, that dedication they have to us. We, ha- we found this story, yeah. and we put it on our Dogs in Danger radio page. If you guys go there and click, a, you know, do a couple you'll of clicks from the, the homepage, yeah. you'll find the it's link. It's a video on YouTube. You'll yeah, find the and link you'll on our see page. It. Yeah, you'll see it yourself, and you'll see a picture of Shep. It brought tears to our eyes, our eyes anyway. And on a lighter note, uh, we found some other incredible videos, and in particular... Dancing with your dog videos. This I did not know existed and in the world. And if you okay? haven't seen this, don't laugh, okay, until you actually see the videos. It's it's actually a competition. It's a sport. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people just also do it for enjoyment. And we put up just a couple of our favorite ones of uh, amazing um, owners uh, with their dogs. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I didn't get it, but we may want to explain it to people here when we have an opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's actually Just like choreographed. Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. Except it's dancing with my dog. Right. Choreographed to music. It's unbelievable. And some of these dogs, I might just say, golden retrievers have amazing rhythm. I never knew that about golden retrievers. <laughs> I never knew this about any dog. It's, it's not limited to golden retrievers, folks. I'm just making that comment because there are quite a few uh, goldens in the videos, and they're, they're wonderful dogs. If you like dogs, just go to the Dogs in Danger homepage, click the radio button on the top right-hand corner, and then click today's show. And look mm-hmm. at the video links that we put in there. They're YouTube links. Just look at this, the dog dancing to whatever, you know, the music from Greece with his owner. You will not believe what your eyes see. Yeah, you got to see it. Okay, to you it. really got to mm-hmm. see it. I am not exaggerating. And the dancing merengue dog, Carrie. It's yeah. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, in one way, it's, it's funny. And another way, it really screws your head up because you say, oh, my God, these dogs, I mean, dogs that can do that, we're killing you know, yeah. so it, it well, messes with your head. Yeah, and that's that's the whole point of today's discussion, right? It's the amazing well, bond that we see with them, and how do we how do we end up in a place where so many animals are dying every year? Yeah, I don't think we're going to go there, Brenda. But I think that it's yes, it's, it's going to no, no. I think we're going to be talking about what the human animal bond is. I mean, I opened by saying, "Why do I love my dog?" I think that's a very deep question. You know, I mean, the, the dog is there, and you know, you know why you love your kid, you know why you love your mom, you know why you love your best friend. Why do you love your dog? It's not even the same species can't talk back to you you know he does strange things like go to the bathroom in the wrong places you know he sometimes you know is a little too frivolous and maybe cuts into your skin by mistake you know all sorts of stupid stuff goes on why do you love him so much you know if your kid did the same kind of stuff you wouldn't love him as much after he grows after you know two years old so that's what we're going to delve into and we have a phenomenal guest and we're going to introduce him right after we go to station break but first let's cut to brenda and talk about our DID, Dogs in Dangerous, dog sequence. Our first highlighted dog for the day. We highlight two dogs on every Dogs in Danger show as a way to get them a little added adoption exposure. And they're dogs from all across the country, and they're dogs that are on the Dogs in Danger website. So you can find them if you go to uh, www.dogsindanger.com. And the first dog is Tex, a young adult male, Bladen County, North Carolina. They see a lot of dogs through that shelter. He is, um, you have to see the face. Again, you know, it's hard to do this on the radio because you can't see their faces. And, and it makes it so much more personal when you just stare in the eyes of these dogs. And uh, poor Tex was uh, abandoned and uh, just dumped at the shelter by his owner. The shelter says he's got a great personality, would be a great companion for somebody. You can help Tex by calling uh, volunteer Sylvia at 910-876-0539. And they do have uh, options for transport. Uh, also, they can get volunteers to help you with that if you're not in the North Carolina area. Yeah, Brenda, let's let's tell folks why we go week after week and we talk about dogs in, you know, we're on the air in New York. and We keep talking yep. about dogs in Louisiana and North Carolina and Georgia. Why don't you tell people why we keep doing this? Well, first of all, you can listen live for those of you who aren't. I know a lot of get it on podcasts, but it's across the country. I mean, this is a national issue. This is not limited to New York. And we have thousands of dogs every day on the Dogs in Danger website all across the country that are running out of time and desperately need someone to save them. And so, you know, North Carolina, Texas, Louisiana, Ohio, California, and, Arizona. And, and we wish we had dogs. Um, in, in New, New York. York. Yeah. yeah, more yeah. on that later. The New York We're going to have to do a separate show on that. Us, folks. Yeah. That's the main reason. Uh, we'll be back. We'll be after right back. A small break. Thanks.
More of the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour is on the way on AM 970, The Apple. When we first started thinking about dogs in danger, we had one overriding thought. Millions of innocent dogs were being killed in shelters each year in this country. And we realized there was no way for the public to know just which dogs were going to die and when. That's when the light bulb went on. So we created DogsInDanger.com, where every dog gets a last chance at life. The good public embraced the idea, and 40,000 dogs are alive today, bringing joy to families and children everywhere. In today's economy, it's hard for anyone to part with their money. But Dogs in Danger need your help to keep saving lives. If you believe like we do that needless killing is morally wrong, then do something about it. Please go to DogsInDanger.com and make a tax-deductible donation. Just $18 per month will help us continue our life-saving mission. Donate to DogsInDanger.com and do something good for your soul. Barkable Radio, the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on AM 970, The Apple. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Welcome. We're back uh, in the studios of NYM in New York City. And at some point, we are going to do a whole show on why there aren't any dogs on the Dogs in Danger website in New York City. I think we are going to do that. But, yeah. but before we bring in our guest, I have to tell you, the reaction to the to the, the uh, posting that we started in on... five minutes, Oh, my people. God. <laughs> on uh, Facebook? 53. I mean, how many people have said, no, I don't like my dog like I like my kid? No. How many? None. None. <laughs> We're going to give you the final count. Go to... Dogsindanger.com slash. Your dog like your kid. I'm sorry. What am I saying? Facebook. I'm sorry. Facebook.com slash dogs in danger and click the like button if you believe that statement. And with that statement, let me bring on our guest for the show today. It's he's Alan Beck, director, center of human animal bond, Purdue University School of Veterinary Medicine, and author of Between Pets and People: The Importance of the Animal Companionship. Let's bring on Dr. Beck. Hello. Hello. It's my pleasure to join you. Oh, thank you very much. Thank Thanks. you very much, Mr. Beck. Thank and you for being with us. Thank you for being with us, and thank you for dialing in on a Sunday. <laughs> There's no time that's not allowed to protect animals. Don't worry about there it. You go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so we've been doing a bunch of research on this, of course, as we do uh, prior to all shows. And, of course, dogs are called all sorts of names. I'll just go few, through a few of them. The first domesticated animal, man's best friend, Drug sniffer, rescue dog, service dog, the list goes on and on in terms of names and, and duties we give to our dogs. Why do dogs have such apparent psychological effect on humans? That's an excellent question. Um, you know, the wolves were, of course, social animals that probably appreciated the new villages, which had lots of trash and so on, and so they hung around. And when we started finding, you know, young puppies, puppy wolves, and, and sort of selecting for the ones, which is all you have to do, that, that are tamer, that are, are not shy and not aggressive. Uh, they actually have created a, a, a real relationship because it's a new role for the wolves, which then, as we selected for more and more uh, tameness and juvenile qualities, we had dogs. And so it's it's a real relationship that that has evolved together. It's, of course, the only relationship for true dogs, mm-hmm. and it has really been part of our strategy for survival, whether it be to find food, to alert for problems. But from the very beginning, it's suspected that one of the primary roles 
was a focus for our nurturing qualities. I mean, mm. pets actually may be the very first role that the, the dogs played. Well, do you think Love that... taking care of things. Do you think that, I mean, you know, everybody loves their dog, as our survey is showing clearly. Do you think that the segue from all animals to dogs happened as some sort of a natural thing, or was there something unique about the dog that segwayed out of the group of animals out there that were right. living with humans? I mean, why not chimpanzees, right? Why right. dogs? That's, that's a good point. And because and actually chimpanzees, while they're wonderful, actually don't do as well with people. Um, I, maybe it was just the nature of, of the dog being the super social animal that it is, that they actually were, were, they had greater ties to us. I mean, what's amazing now is, is our relationship with the dog has gone on so long that not only has it really changed us, but it's changed the dog. Mm. There are wonderful studies seeing if chimpanzees, wolves, or dogs, say, can follow a human gaze, a point. Mm -hmm. And only dogs can do that. A human gaze. Right. Chimps can't yeah. do that. So right. if, if you tell, if, if I look to the right, and I add, you know, and, and there's three of these species there, only the dog will be able to follow only me to the, the right and then to the left. do that. And if you hid some... If you hid some some food under some cups and just pointed to the right cup, only the dog would know that that's where the food is. Right. We talked about that a little uh, bit on yeah, our, our show yeah. on, on on canine intelligence. Yeah. Some really it's, fascinating it's amazing stuff. stuff. Uh, only yeah. dogs, right? Will if you do something with your hands, the dog will emulate with with it with the paws. Well, I, I want to get into... With your face, your nose, right. the dog will emulate with the face and nose. And I have, I have one of the only Siberian huskies that actually fetches a ball. Most Siberians are really not too interested in fetching balls, but this one does. <laughs> well, and I swear, I, you know, I point to the ball and she actually follows my point and goes to get it. People think I'm crazy when I tell them well, that. Well, her oh, no, other Siberians fetch rabbits, actually. So. Almost most dogs, but of course huskies are particularly smart. I understand that. But, uh, so our relationship is a very, very real one. Um, and and we've enjoy it, and we've of course exploited their ability to smell, to pull, to run, to bark, uh, and we are still enjoying it. And now we're even beginning to sort of fine tune the relationship and understand that that we could benefit both yeah. by yeah. doing the best for both. Alan, let me ask you this question: One hypothesis claims that humans develop positive feelings and behaviors toward dogs as a side effect of a mechanism that's in place that forms the bond between parents and children, meaning that, um, that the, the bond, whatever happens between a parent and a child, that bond, that instinct, whatever it is, is the same mode of behavior that attaches ourselves to our, uh, to our dogs. Is it possible that I am capable of loving my dog by the set, same sets of instincts that allow, allow me to love my child? Oh, I think it is. We, we don't have... <clears throat> you know, separate mechanisms uh, for often we we don't even have separate mechanisms for showing uh, fondness. We we talk to people, we talk to dogs, we we we, we pet people, we hold hands. We we even have some of the same uh, mechanisms. Oh, so it, it definitely is. Hmm. And for the dog, like for the infant, one theory is that it's triggering the same response that we all have for the juvenile. For the for the animal who has a nice conspicuous head with that's symmetrical with eyes that are often a little larger than than proportional, and that is something we've evolved with, in part so we don't need our children, but also because that is a releaser for just caring, 
and in fact most animals have the same, most at least birds and mammals, have the same sort of releaser. Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of the juvenile forms of animals even look alike. They all have very large heads, big eyes, because uh, it's sort of the the way that we sort of have inherited and we almost mimic each other, it inherited finding cuteness. In fact, when we talk mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. what's attractive to people, we often talk about people with very nice symmetrical right. um, heads, and if the eyes are not conspicuous enough, we put makeup on them, right. and so on. So it, it probably is psychologically and physiologically the same mechanism. The same mechanism. So, so you, aren't, it, nuts. Is, you it, aren't nuts if you think that your pet is your uh, best friend or your baby? No, especially if you understand the difference. You right. could say the dog is a member of the family, your best friend, but really do understand. Right. So are you saying that the difference. the difference between your real spouse and your and your real children and your dog? So are are you saying that our love for our dogs um in a in a in a major scale is based on our search for cuteness? No, that's the releaser. That's why I, I that's think that's why the selection chemical. mechanisms were the same uh, that they are. I see. And it probably is why a lot of that fondness really happens. <clears throat> I mean even people who aren't particularly fond of certain kinds of animals, like rats, find the puppies cute. Mm, I, mean, I agree. That, that's true. Cute. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and, and, and appealing. Yes. So uh, your dog's uncanny habit of staring deep into your eyes actually releases some chemical in your brain that forms the attachment? <laughs> and, and remember, the dog is feeling the same way. Right. Yeah. In mammals, imprinting goes both ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, the juvenile knows to follow the, 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 the mother or father, and we know to care about the young. Well, indeed, research indicates that dogs are able to discriminate between human beings, and they're able to do it in a multimodal way, meaning that they combine recognition of your face, one's face, with the recognition of your voice. So they put the two pieces together. Right. How and why did dogs develop these particular characteristics? I mean, it's pretty unique to dogs. I mean, cows can't yeah, do well, that. Well, I mean, being social animals, they had to really be pretty good decoders of their companions' uh, information. Remember... Once you're a, a, an animal like a wolf that has to or is trying to evolve in, in, a, in a world where the food is much larger than you are, so you've got to work together or else you're not going to eat at all. It's not like mm. we, can, we can eat mice. Uh, so they, there's a lot of selection for really understanding each other um, and also understanding the hierarchy as well as the cues for hunting, for, for mating, for, for taking care of the puppies. So all of that is, is part of the lexicon of the for the wolf and it just came with the dog as well but you keep using this term social animals so let me understand a little little better what what a social animal is define to me other breeds that have that are quote-unquote social animals other species you other mean. species mm -hmm. yes yeah, sorry oh most of our farm animals are, are social animals they really evolved uh, because their survival depends on groups a single buffalo will not survive mm -hmm. whether it be wind or, or that's the end of it. Mm -hmm. a, a single cow is not going to do all well as a wild animal. Uh, we work to they work together, uh, both to, to protect for the young, uh, protect each other because single animals are much easier uh, targets for predation. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So you see a lot of these truly you know, social animals. The, I'd say compared to say the the fox or the coyote, right who evolved in an environment where they can hide easily and their food sources are small enough that they can catch them by themselves and get enough nutrients out of that rabbit uh, 
to not need uh, to bring down a deer. Right, right. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you this question. We'll, we'll have a minute, and then we'll come back with you, of course. Sure. But um, a fascinating study that I read about from Azubi University in Japan showed conclusively that dogs display an emotional response toward their owners. The key word here is an emotional not response, not just recognition, but something emotional happens. Do we feed off of this emotional response? Do, do our antennas somehow pick up this response and, oh, sure. and respond to it as well? Oh, yeah. And, and by the way, I mean, one way is we, that your very appearance is a reward for the dog. How is and obviously that? Obviously, when you see your dog, it's a reward for you. Well, that's uh, true for me because I know how I work. But how is my appearance a reward for the dog since I don't get his like When the dog, one, you can actually reward a dog more by showing pictures of you versus, I mean, your dog, showing pictures of you than, say, pictures of someone who looks like you but is not you uh, because the dog is actually more rewarded by seeing you. And the fact that, it, that they can learn faster shows that there actually is some kind of mechanism going on in the dog's head. Wow. Is that true uh, for all farm animals or social animals, as you said? I suspect not. You suspect not? Uh, no, though, actually, many, many horses definitely seem to recognize their, their, the people who are important to them. Uh, and that would be a, a farm animal. It does also sort of bridge that relationship that uses some of the same even behaviors. We're going to get cut out on break now, uh, but we'll uh, we'll be back in just we'll a minute. Back, More with Alan Beck. Hold on one second. More of the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour is on the way on AM 970, The Apple. The News, AM 970, The Apple. It's 63 degrees under a mix of sun and clouds in New York City. A deli owner was shot and killed in Queens last night. The NYPD says a black man in his late 30s or early 40s walked into the Lucky Deli around 10 o'clock Saturday night, announced a robbery, and then shot and killed 54-year-old deli owner Juan Torres with one shot to the head. On Sunday, longtime customers like Lena Jamat leaving a candle and speaking lovingly about Torres. He was a nice guy. He's quiet. They help the neighborhood. Anybody need anything on credit or anything, they'll give it to them. He stood behind the, um, the deli and he made the sandwiches. He just asked you. He didn't speak that much English. Brother ran the business with him. And it was less than a decade ago inside this very same deli that Torres's cousin was also shot and killed. It's been very tough to get around on the LIRR this weekend as the commuter railroad has shut down most of its service to upgrade a 100-year-old switching system. Riders have been frustrated by long delays, waiting for trains or buses to get them where they're going. From Penn Station to Jamaica and then uh, a 40-minute bus ride to, uh, to here. The bus in Farmingdale took us to Hicksville. Now in Hicksville... I took a train. The railroad will use this weekend and the weekend of November 6th and 7th to upgrade the railroad's complex system of track switches. Across the Hudson River, if you're driving, the Lincoln Tunnel looks like we're building up to about a five-minute wait heading into the Toll Plaza. 20 minutes view over at the Holland Tunnel. George Washington Bridge, a 20-minute wait heading into town. Traveling over on 287 in Westchester as you head in towards 684, there's an accident in the process of being cleared. Your sports for today, Giants have uh, Monday night football tomorrow night. While the Jets get the bye, the Rangers will skate at home against the New Jersey Devils. Weather for today, a mix of sun and clouds, a high of 69. Tonight, cloudy, a low of 57. Tomorrow, overcast skies, a high 72 degrees. AM 970, The Apple is New York City's fastest-growing talk radio station. Check out Curtis Lewa Monday morning on your drive to work and find out why. I'm Bill Powers on the Talk of New York on AM 970, The Apple. Attention. 
If you're attempting to lose weight, please stay tuned for an important opportunity. In a six-month clinical study, participants lost an average of 30 pounds without changing their eating habits or routine. Now, Sensa is conducting a market trial in this listening area. If you're trying to lose weight, you are eligible to try Sensa free for 30 days. Call 1-800-700-7583 now to request your free trial. Participation in this free trial does not require any dieting, pills, or change in lifestyle. In fact, we only ask that you continue your current eating habits. Just use clinically proven Sensa, the same weight loss breakthrough you've seen on Extra, Dateline NBC, and America's Newsroom. Results are backed by a 30-day weight loss guarantee. If you want to lose weight, you are eligible to participate in this market trial. For your 30-day free trial, you must call this number now, 1-800-700-7583. That's 1-800-700-7583. Are you a woman with noticeable brown spots, age spots, liver spots, or uneven tones on your skin? If you answered yes, you're entitled to a free 30-day supply of Dr. Perry's Night Skin. Dr. Arthur Perry is a Harvard-trained plastic surgeon, and his night skin cream was made with ingredients that fade the look of ugly brown spots on your face, neck, and hands. Your area has been selected to try a free 30-day supply of night skin. This amazing free giveaway is only available while supplies last, so don't wait. Diminish the appearance of brown spots on your face, neck, and hands. To find out how you can try a free 30-day supply of Nightskin for just shipping and handling, call 1-800-764-7498. That's 800-764-7498. This free offer won't last long, so call now. Call 1-800-764-7498. That's 800-764-7498. Throw your friend a bone. It's more of the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on AM 970 the apple here are your hosts alex and brenda well we're back at this, uh, with wnym discussing today's topic the human animal bond and the votes are flying off the handle on yeah. our facebook page facebook.com slash dogs in danger in 30 minutes 76 people have said uh that their dogs are like their kids to them. Has anybody said no? No. Not a that. single vote. Well, they'd be okay. afraid to in that Yeah, don't probably. go in there and, and vote no just to be the only vote, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to bring back uh, Alan, Alan Beck. Beck. Uh, that's funny, Back and Beck. Uh, we're going to bring Alan back and, and continue with our discussion, this deep and uh, profound discussion about uh, animals and the human-animal bond. Alan, are you back with us? Yes, I am. Great. Alan, let me ask you this question. And This was an interesting study. One can make an argument that we created the dog in order to fulfill some very hu- basic human need. An example, a child will talk to a doll as though the doll is alive. Tests with robot dogs show that the humans very quickly start conversing with the robot, even though they know very well that it's not a real dog and, that, and the robot doesn't really talk back to you. Uh, you did some of those studies. <laughs> if there were no animals in the world, here's the question for you that I, I'm fascinated by. If there were no animals in the world, would we humans be just as fulfilled talking privately to a desk. <laughs> I think if there were no animals in the world, we'd have a very dull world. I agree with uh, you. <laughs> and I wouldn't be on the air. <laughs> no, I, it's funny. Now, children, the very young children, might, because they, they, their imagination is so flexible and so good that they can carry on the dialogue or even the psychological dialogue for both sides. As we get a little older, we need a little bit more feedback. 
and so while some people really do talk to, to, to plants because they're really just committed to their ability to, to be nurturers of, of plants, uh, I think uh, the role that all animal, the animals play would be very different. Mm-hmm. We, we, we enjoy uh, expanding our own relationship with each other to include uh, animals. Because I mean, one of the reasons that people are so important to us is this whole social support uh, that that's brings us together, and the fact that we have that flexibility that perhaps sometimes you're alone, except you can have your dog with you, that we can expand this social support uh, mm-hmm. to responsive uh, animals that enjoy the environment that they're now in is very important. And also, according, you know, E.O. Wilson from Harvard felt that we were really born with a, a genetic disposition to appreciate nature. He called hmm. it the body. Did we just, hello? I think we just lost our guest. I think we lost uh, guest. Well, hopefully we'll get him to call back in a minute. Yeah, absolutely. We just lost our guest. Hopefully he's going to be calling back. What? Oh, what you, there we go. Oh, there you go. You're on the air, so now be careful. Now you're on the oh, air. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I think I was thinking so hard I was uh, walking away. <laughs> I saw the board I, smoke I up. You're right. <laughs> uh, the biophilia hypothesis that people seek out to be with nature, to see nature. People who can look on nature actually heal faster. I mean, and uh, there are all kinds of reasons that we see. You know, we, we, when we take a... When we want to relax, we walk in, in, the, in the park or in the woods. We so are walk. you suggesting that dogs are a little bit of uh, having that closeness to nature? It is nature on demand. No, it's na- of yeah. course. Yeah, and they make the most likely, right? Because they're the ones that recognize us. They're the ones that feed off of us, and so we get and, that and dynamic they're there, back and, and yet forth. we still project their, their natural qualities. We don't really look at the dog as another human being, even right. though we, we say they're a member of the family. They're a member of the canine family today. Right. Right. They're good old canine Americans. Right. We understand their nature. So what and you're saying is that if there were no dogs, in answer to my question, uh, if there were no dogs, we would probably try to talk to a desk because we, we just have this need. But we would be so disrewarded by it and so unfulfilled by the experience, we stop to talking to the desk and commit suicide. Well, we'd have much bigger problems. Much bigger problems than loneliness if we didn't have animals. In the <laughs> right. Room. We would be very different right. people. But dogs represent a really interesting social problem, right? I mean, they can be pretty damned unpredictable. Uh, the same species that can be your best friend can also be pretty fierce. So- well, all the things that are close and important to us have double-edged capabilities. Right. Uh, we love our cars, but it's actually the major cause of fatality for people mm-hmm. under 21. Much yeah, more absolutely. so than dogs, we might add. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, everything that's important to us, I mean, we love each other, but actually 60% of people are killed by people they know each other. Right. We didn't run the survey, would you rather spend the night with your spouse or your dog? <laughs> <laughs> but oh, that's that's what... a good one, though. <laughs> actually, I would definitely make sure that everybody does anonymous on that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, Facebook doesn't have that feature. But I know a lot of people who say, you know, if you would greet me like my dog does when I came home from work, I'd be as excited to see you, too. <laughs> so, and, you know. And, and it's not easy. See, the dog is totally non-judgmental, and doesn't. Truth of the matter is, doesn't really care what you're saying that all that much. Right. As long as you're talking to him or her. Right. And uh, and doesn't have that sort of history. So dogs are non-judgmental. Don't have a. Don't remember all the bad things you've ever done. So it, they have an advantage over people. I'm fascinated by the study that I saw again on. Uh, um, I hope I'm pronouncing this this drug the same way. Oxytocin the formation yeah. of oxytocin in the brain. 
And it's apparently is one of the key hormones required for human bonding, parent, child, mates, you know, girlfriend, love, love, the great, you know, right. the great mystery of love. They've sort of tied it to this, uh, this hormone, oxytocin. And when they did some uh, research and looked at the reaction and oxytocin levels in people after they talk with their dog or they spend some time with the dog and, and without spending, when they have a bond, they discovered that the same buildup in oxytocin happens in human beings when they're with their dog that happens when they're with their mate or with their child or their mm-hmm. loved one. So meaning there's this, this uh, chemical or hormonal uh, tie-in, it seems like, with, between this, uh, this chemical in the brain and the emotions of love that human beings seem to, able to be able to generate by just being with an animal. Well, I think that's what we were referring to before, sure. right? Is that the same? And it's not surprising since we, in the belief system we have, is that the animal is worthy of love and loves us. So the fact that it's, it's, it's the same belief system, it's not surprising that the yeah. same physiological releasers are involved. By the way, phenylethylamine, PEA, is also released when you pet a dog, just like when you eat chocolate or hold your friend. Really? So, I mean, it's, it's because it, it serves in our brain the same roles That's with, with all the, you know, the right fine-tuning, of course. Uh, and so you get the same responses. I mean, at this point, the health benefits of dogs are pretty well documented, right? Can you, oh, absolutely. Can you, can you just share with us why that is and what some of those things are? You know, because it does feed our, our uh, sort of social theory concepts of it is not surprising. Actually, if you look at once we roll, uh, include the dog as part of our, our social network, the very fact that we get a blood pressure response is one of the first things we did. Mm-hmm. It, just like when, when, you're, when you're with a person, it's not really surprising. Mm-hmm. The fact that you get a relaxation response when you pet a dog, just like when, when you're being hugged, is not surprising. So you see the same uh, mechanisms. So the relaxation effect is probably one of the major roles uh, that animals and dogs perhaps in, in particular uh, play, as a, and that's one of the major roles it plays in therapy because it relaxes you. The very mm-hmm. fact that the animal is perceived to be a, in part of a better environment allows you to be a better environment. And that's another role that they play. So when you're you, with a what dog, do you mean in a better environment? How, how do you define a better environment? Uh, people are, feel more comfortable where animals are around. When you come home and an animal is behaving normally, you're or, already more relaxed. You don't. You already assume there's no gas leak and you aren't robbed and there's no one else in the house mm-hmm. that you don't want. Right. Because the animal would have told you all of these things. Oh, I see. Whether it would have or not is not even clear, but it doesn't matter. It believe, you believe it does. Right. Uh, when you are seen by a, a person with an animal, you are treated more positively, mm-hmm. just like you treat people with an animal more positively. But how I do you explain? I mean, one of the things that has been documented is that they that animals, especially dogs, help ease Alzheimer's, which is a long-term debilitating defect, uh, neural defect. How do you explain Alzheimer's being affected by the presence of a dog? There, that it may be just because it actually uh, changes the behavior of the Alzheimer's patient, makes them less agitated. We, do, we actually used uh, fish tanks mm-hmm. to show that Alzheimer's... Oh, yeah, I read that study. Oh, you guys did that, huh? Yeah. And because one of the big problems with, with that, the Alzheimer's patients is that they're either too agitated or too lethargic to eat properly, and they lose weight. And, of course, older people who really lose a lot of weight get more infections. They can break bones easier. The nursing homes have to give them supplements. So it has all kinds of problems. Nothing holds the attention of the Alzheimer's person. Uh, per- person. But we found that fish tanks do. 
No kidding. Just having a fish tank, they would sit more calmly, and when people sit calmly with food in front of them, they eat it. And so we actually got uh, weight gain uh, just by having these uh, these special fish tanks that are sealed and they're safe and you can't knock them over and they're very easy to see and they low uh, require low maintenance. Uh, but what's so exciting to us is that not only is it functionally saved a lot of money for nursing homes and it's a more humane way of, of helping sure. Alzheimer's patients maintain their weight, but it means that, that biophilia hypothesis, that fascination to nature, even survives dementia. Wow. So a, a person older, that doesn't recognize his son will recognize the fish tank. Right. We, wow. we, we go to fish. I mean, there, there are people who can't even remember their own name or their son's name, but they remember their old dog's name. Right. Wow, that's incredible. We see that all, and, and that's because probably is that? the dog is, is, is filed in the brain as a, as a feeling more than just a noun. That's uh, incredible. So, and uh, so, so that's probably one of the roles that animals, all animals play for the Alzheimer's patient is that it, it's a focus of attention that's still functional because they don't, otherwise don't have many opportunities to have a focus of attention. And it, once you can have a focus of attention, you can be relaxed more, you can eat more, perhaps you could do just behave, you're, you're, you're treated better because you're, you're trying to interact with other people better. Well, so let me ask you the 35,000 feet question, Alan. <laughs> who, who, who came first, the human or the dog? Did we create the dog in our image or did the dog strive due to a whole bunch of, you know, survival-related uh, issues due to unique qualities and survival-related, develops this species and bond, bond to mimic humans? Did the dog try to mimic humans and become more dog-like and therefore, I'm sorry, become more human-like? Or did we create the dog in our own image by breeding it out into them? It's a little combination of both. The dogs, <coughs> the dogs were obviously pre, I mean, the wolves were pre-ready to appreciate higher density, to be, tolerate uh, people for food and, and so on. Animals that don't tolerate that kind of human proximity or are are not well social themselves, don't have good real hierarchies, can never be domesticated. So the animal, the, the wolf was, was sort of ready and it had the qualities. And then all we had to do was keep selecting for tameability, and you get the dog. This has even been done with foxes more recently. If you keep selecting for tameability, you get a fox that has all the colors of dogs, has all the behaviors of dogs, because if you keep selecting for the traits that are associated with the juvenile, mm -hmm. you get an animal that really enjoys social interaction, that's mm -hmm. safe to handle, that loves attention, that loves giving attention. And that's what we did with the, with the dog. It's basically what we did with all our domestic animals. So we came to the center from both sides, is what yes. you're saying. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're meeting I, in the middle, hopefully. Most, most evidence suggests that humans that are close to dogs... I'm not going to say own dogs because I know a lot of it makes people a lot of touchy on the guardianship issue. But something like 90% of people who are close to dogs mm -hmm. tend to anthropomorphize. You, I know you must get this a lot. You know, assert that assert that their animals have human-like emotions, personalities, motivations. Is that an error in understanding our dogs? I think it's an error in the, in generalizing. I think to, to assume that animals, especially dogs, don't have some of the same qualities would be absolutely nonsense. I mean, we use animals as models for our physiology. Since when did evolution stop at the neck? Mm -hmm. So even our even the public health service uh, law that protects uh, uh, research animals says it's part of federal law 
that if a procedure, if you don't know if a procedure would be bad uh, for an animal, but it would be uncomfortable or cause distress for humans, then you have to assume it'll cause distress for the animal. Hmm. So anthropomorphism is actually federally mandated in some ways. Really? Because it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So Alex uh, can continue talking to his dog and letting him play the alter ego too. He's okay there. Yes. Now you can <laughs> make nobody's going to point fingers way. at you me. Be careful. Sometimes <laughs> you might think a dog is really happy because we project it, but right. the dog is really in fear. Right. So you got to be a little careful. Yes. Right. 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 That, that's a that's a fascinating because everybody does that. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, and it's fine as long as you got it right. But when you get it wrong, well, remember <laughs> we anthropomorphize all the time. Uh, you're talking to me in in a nice way, which I assume. It's because you care. That's an anthropomorphism. Which, which is what the dog is doing, is, is what right. you're saying. Yeah. yeah, right. So the dog analyzes to that degree. We, we only right. have like... Yeah. Uh, this has no. been a fascinating yeah. discussion. We really appreciate your time today. Uh, and, oh, it's uh, my pleasure. I, I can't really. believe that the dog actually analyzes to that degree. It doesn't. It's as, it's as habitual and reflexive as our relationship is with the dog. Wow. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate Alan, your time today. this has been today. fascinating. Absolutely, thank you. Absolutely. I mean, we could talk about the subject We'll be back for, next for another year. show, yeah. We'll do more. <laughs> I'm an old New Yorker. Thank <laughs> you. We'll have you back on, Alan. More of thank the you. Dogs in Danger Radio Hour is on the way on AM 970, The Apple. Dogs in Danger is an award-winning charity that has turned the animal world on its head. It's the last chance for dogs waiting on death row in shelters across the country. They tell the public what dog is where and how many days they have before being killed. Then, caring people like you go and save the poor dog and bam, you have a new best friend and a happy family. Dogs in Danger has done this over 40,000 times in just two and a half years. Wow. Now, you can help Dogs in Danger spread the word and save even more lives. Your donation is 100% tax deductible. So what are you waiting for? Go to dogsindanger.com and click the donate button. Just $18 a month will make them reach farther and help end the killing of our furry friends. www.dogsindanger.com Then click donate and do something good for your soul. The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. Honest talk, even when it bites. On AM 970, The Apple. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Wow, Brenda, I got to tell you, that is a fascinating discussion. Of course, we all know we love our dogs, right? This is just exploring why and how and how much do they love us. How do we get there, you know? And I still can't fully understand it. I understand that it's a a lot to do with the fact that I'm human. And it has a lot to do with with the fact that the dog wants to be my friend. The dog wants to be my friend. So we're coming at it from two different sides and trying to meet in the middle. And I guess and that's... And it's the uniqueness of the dogs that has enabled that to happen through yeah, evolution. Yeah, and we're going to do another show at some point on evolution and the relationship because there's a lot more to explore here. We just really just caught the tip of the iceberg. Well, listen, 60% of homes have a dog, right. okay? And sing happy birthday to their dogs. And yeah, I mean, buy what, Christmas what's the population gifts, of, holiday of gifts for their dogs? In, in, in yeah. homes in the United States, I wonder, you know? Uh, it's probably above 60%. Less than that, I would think. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know, but clearly uh, there's a powerful bond between people and their dogs. Well, mm-hmm. clearly, clearly, but um, but Alan was a fascinating guest, and I hope we didn't get too intellectual or we didn't get too uh, literal in our discussions of uh, you know hormones mm-hmm. and all sorts of other. Nice it's fascinating stuff. stuff for you know. Those Brenda, who you want to take over and talk about our number two dog? Number two featured dog of the day is Jerry Lee in Vermilion Parish Rabies Control. Well, that's what they call the animal control facility down there, but it's Kaplan, Louisiana. And um, 
the shelter says, uh, let's see. Well, first, he's a German shepherd. He's a beautiful dog, actually beautiful. He looks, uh, they're saying young adult, um, eight months old and weighs about 45 pounds, a uh, beautiful German shepherd. Dogs at this pound can be killed in a gas chamber any day. So if you have any inclination to be Who's able to help dog? this dog, yeah, you see wow, that? he's gorgeous. Yeah. He's absolutely, and he's a German Shepherd. He's beautiful. Yeah, Light-colored German Shepherd on top of he's that. He's beautiful. Like, right? Well, I mean, we're looking at the picture in black and white on the little print I have here, but you have to go to uh, go to the Dogs in Danger website and search uh, Louisiana, or you can go to the facebook.com forward slash dogs in danger. You can find the dogs posted there. Um, and on our Radio Hour webpage as well. So if you can, uh, if you can help Jerry Lee in Louisiana, uh, you can call 337-643-3160. Uh, email us if ever you know you're looking for the contact information. I know I, sometimes I read the phone numbers; people can't get it right away. But yeah, we'll yeah. get you in contact. It's if you all can on help. Dogs in Danger. It's really simple. Just do the pull down, say Louisiana, and you'll see this right. beautiful dog. Yeah. How are we doing on the um, on the Facebook? Ninety six people. We just started this we at the top started. of the hour. So yeah, at the top of the hour, we started it. We have 96 people. So, um, 96. You know, Do love, we have the one guy that voted dogs. against it just so we can talk love about it? Love their dogs like kids. No, 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 I don't. So 96 to 0. And the question we asked, 96 to 0, and it'll be 100. It wasn't a I question. Finished. It was a statement. Basically. The statement that we made was, I love my dog just like I love my kid. Basically, mm-hmm. or do you love your dog right. just like you love your kid? And 96 to 0, it'll be 100 by the time the show's over, have said love absolutely like do. They play a special role in our lives. and Well, we know that. That's why we're doing this thing, and that's why we're here on a Sunday. And Alan Beck right? says as long as you know the distinction between human and dog and you don't get confused, it's all okay. Yeah, we're going to go to break. Uh, we're going to go to break in a minute. Um, and we're going to talk about next week's show. Yeah, I had a, another. A, I had another note here. How much time do we have left? We have one you minute, have maybe. About a minute yeah. left. Yeah. That uh, that pets are gaining recognition in places of worship all across the country, and I, and I found this uh, uh, very not only interesting, um, but uh, what, but a great uh, movement that's going on in in places of worship, all denominations uh, across the country, which not only recognize the human animal bond, but off. Offer pet owners support and services. Wait, wait, are you saying that almost dogs unheard are of going a decade ago? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yes, not wait, just wait, church. Dogs are going to church. Not just someplace? church, synagogue, and yeah, churches, and yeah, it's. Uh, Where is this happening again? All across the country. I found places in Connecticut, places in California. Wait, they can't even go to a restaurant, an outdoor restaurant, you and they're going it. to church. Well, there's no food served in church. And so I guess that's why. Well, I, I guess not against health codes. But it's the health wow. code that it's the health code that gives you a problem about taking the dogs yeah. into the restaurant. So, wow. in addition to special blessings, you know they have special blessings that they do. They have reg- regular church services that allow people to bring their dogs. With what them. denomination is letting the dog in the church? That's what I want to know because I'm converting. <laughs> There are a couple in California, and uh, if it's not on the uh, the Radio Hour page, we'll definitely put that post up for people. So you can take your dog we're to gonna, church. We're going to list all the churches, yeah. the denominations that accept dogs in church. There'll okay? be a lot of conversions we'll going on. we'll see you there, folks. <laughs> we'll be right back. More of the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour is on the way on AM 970, The Apple. I'm Brenda Bush, co-founder of Dogs in Danger. For those of us who live with these special creatures, we understand that they're so much more than just dogs. They're faithful companions to the end. They remind us every day that life is precious and brief, full of fleeting joys and missed opportunities. Each year in this country, millions of homeless dogs are killed in shelters. There is a better way, and Dogs in Danger is working to get us there. It's the last chance for these dogs. 
Dogs in Danger makes it personal with names and faces of dogs on death row and brings us all face to face with a painful reality. More than 40,000 dogs have been saved with the assistance of Dogs in Danger, but we still have a long way to go. So please, open your heart and wallet to one of the thousands of dogs waiting for a second chance at life. Visit dogsindanger.com and click donate to help us stop the needless killing of our best friends. Do it now, before they run out of time. No fleas on us. The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on AM 970, The Apple. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Hey, Brenda, this was a fascinating show, as I've said many times. Now we're supposed to talk about next week's show, which we will. But first, I want to thank all of the hundreds of people that wrote in and gave us their heartfelt comments on the PSA, which we opened the show with. Thank you, folks. Greatly appreciated. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, And I also want to thank not the hundreds of people, but lots and lots of people that donated to what we called our PSA fund because putting the thing on the air, putting this uh, this 60-second spot on the air is very expensive. Um, Dogs in Danger is a very small charity. We don't have this kind of money to be able to pay it for uh, advertising time. We're going to do it. We're going to do the best we can, and we're going to write a check out there, and we ask people to help us out. And believe me, a lot of people came out of the woodwork and helped us. So thank you for all those folks that, uh, after they saw the video, put their hands on, yeah. on their hearts, and then they took out their checkbook and, and wrote us and a We're going to cross our fingers and just pray that we save a lot of lives with yes, this public service Yes, we humbly say thank you to you yeah. guys. We, we do everything we can. We get nothing mm-hmm. for our efforts except the emotional, um, res- the emotional satisfaction of doing the right thing. We don't take any funds. We don't personally take any salaries, Brenda and I. And we do this because we think it's the right thing to do. So with that comment, let's talk about next week's super-duper exciting show. And it is our Election Day special. One week and two days from now, America goes to the polls in what I consider to be a dramatic election year. It is a dramatic election year. A pivotal election year. Not just for the animals. (laughs) Yeah, in more ways than one. Animals and us all together in the same pot. And we have our own going on. It will be a New York-focused show. We will have some of the most important legislators in the New York Assembly joining us, including Miss Amy Paulin and William McGee, the chairman of the Agriculture Committee, probably the most powerful mm-hmm. committee in the New York State Legislature, and he's the chairman. And nothing gets by without Mr. without Mr. McGee's stamp on it, and he's going to be on the show with us. We're very excited to have these two um, admirable guests on. They are going to talk about animal-related issues um, – and they're going to talk about their position and how right. in the next state legislature they're going to help us do the things the right way in New York State. So we hope you're going to tune in. You will not show. be able to find another show where this, this subject will be covered by decision makers anywhere you look on, on the news mm-hmm. channels. Okay, So, so it is only it. on the D- Dogs in Danger radio hour Election that you will Day hear. special. October 31st. October, Sunday, yes. October 31st. A week from today. And these are the issues. Away, right? You can talk about dogs all day long. You can cry about when you see the video and you say, oh, my God. But at the end of the day, if you really care about what the dog's life will be like, it's in the legislation. The devil's in the details, And animals in general. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's in the legislation that the dogs will live or die through. And if you really care about that dog, you owe it to yourself to get involved in the legislative process. And we don't spend a lot of time on it. We will spend the entire hour next week. I'm going home to hug my dog. Yeah, I'm going to hug him all day long, <laughs> as I usually do. Anyway. Thanks, with, folks. Talk to you next week. With those words of saving lives. We will be back next week. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for your comments and uh, your courage. Thank you. How to save